With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. You know, when I go out with my friends here locally, like none of them scrapbook. They don't, they're always just, you know, wondering what I'm doing and I try to explain it. At the same time, I can jump on my computer and talk to people all over the world who have the same passion for memory keeping as I do. And that sort of connection is really, I think, life-giving. Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, Ramana Lam. And I'm your other host, June Thomas. June, we just heard the voice of Allie Edwards, who is your guest this week. I'm trying (laughs) and failing to figure out the best single noun to describe Allie's work. So I've decided I'm just going to lob that challenge right back to you. Roman, that's so very, very kind of you. Um, (laughs) Challenge accepted. I would say Allie Edwards is a designer. She's definitely an entrepreneur. When I asked her to describe her job, she said, I own a scrapbooking business. Um, But I really see her as a creativity coach. You know, there are other names in the world of scrapbooking. People like Heidi Swap or Becky Higgins or even at a stretch, Tim Holtz, all household names, you know. But for me, Ali Edwards stands out because of her emphasis on words. She's really influential in this world. And it's not just because people use her products or do her projects, but because of the kinds of stories that she encourages people to tell. So June, it's clear to me that you have a real command over what scrapbooking is, (laughs) to the point that you know the household names, the (laughs) the stars of the scrapbooking world. Mm. Um, I don't know if I would call it a pursuit or a hobby. I'm not sure how to talk about what scrapbooking is, but I guess more important is, (laughs) are you coming out now as a scrapbooker? (laughs) I think that is exactly the right language. Coming out feels really apt. Um, Scrapbooking is not seen as cool or hip. And it isn't necessarily an identity that a cool, hip person like me would want to embrace. But I think I might be ready to out myself as an open memory keeper. Uh, Memory keeping being the slightly hipper term for scrapbooking. And I would say also that its bad reputation is pretty much based in misogyny and ageism. Like, it's not cool because it's associated with older women. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to push back on that. But the other part of it is that the image is also just plain wrong. The predominant style of scrapbooking today is much more open and airy and generally well-designed than it used to be. And that's partly because of platforms like YouTube and Instagram that make it easier for people to see different ways of scrapbooking or just designing pages. I think it might be useful just to spend a second talking about maybe what the perception is of scrapbooking, right? So your argument being that it's maybe not understood as being hip or cool. (laughs) And so what is it in the cultural imagination? Is the idea that it's an activity that, uh, you know, someone like an uncool, maybe stay at home mom is engaged in taking like cardstock and photo corners and using specialty pens. 
to make sort of elaborate tableau of like, this was Jaden's first day of kindergarten, or this was our family trip to Bill's lake house. Like, so that's one way of engaging with like what scrapbooking is. That's sort of maybe my imagination of how it would be depicted in like a Hallmark movie. Do you think that's right? I mean, I think you're saying that it's actually more than that. So I'm curious to see like what's accurate about what I've just described and maybe the ways in which it could be more than that. Yeah, I don't think that anything that you just said is wrong. I think people often do start scrapbooking when they have a kid or they go on a big vacation or they have grandchildren and they have, you know, which is maybe a time when they have a bit more uh, time to undertake crafts projects like that. So it's not wrong. It's just that I think, you know, I basically came to this by watching YouTube and the people that I watch... um, tend to be, you know, just maybe because of the kind of stories they're telling, which are about their everyday lives. Like there is a lesbian mom in Australia, in Melbourne, and a and a young black woman in Brooklyn. Like they're telling stories that just seem very um, relatable to me. I mean, like Tashiana Gordon, the young woman from Brooklyn, you know, she, she was doing videos about her layouts, about doing medical support around Black Lives Matters protests. Like it's not just grandparents documenting their grandchildren's first steps. Not that there's anything wrong with the latter. Um, I just think there's just a lot more variety now than there used to be. Thinking about scrapbooking as a pursuit a little bit, which I did after listening to this conversation, (laughs) I developed this thesis that scrapbooking is maybe not unlike the vogue for bullet journaling Mm. or for knitting or for canning or for raising your own chickens, (laughs) that in some ways these are all kind of a response to our immersion in a digital culture. You know, we can't escape that. And so maybe we turn to these analog engagements as a break from an existence that's sort of defined by the algorithms, defined by looking at your cell phone. I think that's absolutely right. And that's definitely why I'm drawn to it. You know, I'm a pretty low-key scrapbooker. I mostly keep track of the culture that I'm enjoying that's currently in the parlance. Um, or I, you know, document my vacations in a pretty low-key way. But I have done some short-term projects like the ones that Ali Edwards is famous for, her Week in the Life, for example. But for me, it's like an excuse to do crafting. Um, I really like playing with paper and art supplies. So that's the appeal for me. But I should note that there are quite a few people who do their scrapbooking digitally, like they work exclusively on their phones or their computers, and they never so much as touch a glue bottle. God, that's so interesting. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited to hear this conversation. But before we get to your interview, I do want to mention that Slate Plus members are going to hear a little something extra from your conversation with Ali Edwards. I don't want to spoil what you're going to talk about because I intend to crib from it in my own interviews for this podcast. But listeners, if you aren't yet a member of Slate Plus, what are you waiting for? You can get two weeks free right now. Just go to slate.com slash working plus. Now, let's hear June's conversation with Allie Edwards. This episode of Working is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love listening to in-depth interviews and discussions of craft and the creative process or whatever the heck it is all the other podcasts you listen to do, you call the shots with what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Progressive. 
The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're on a plane. The person sitting next to you looks over and says, what do you do for a living? What do you say? Generally, what I say these days is I say that I own a scrapbooking business. And usually that ends up with a blank look back at me. <laughs> you can tell right away that they don't know what I'm talking about or they or they think that they misunderstood <laughs> what I said. Um, but essentially what I do is I help people tell the stories of their lives uh, using creative methods of writing and photography and design is essentially what I do. So when most people think of scrapbooking, I think that they automatically think of like a very cutesy kind of old school cut and paste sort of thing. Mm. And there's still some of that, but a lot of what my focus is on is is really encouraging people to write down stories from their life. I described you to a colleague as Roger Federer. <laughs> if a good chunk of the population didn't know that professional tennis was a thing, you're very well known and like incredibly influential in a niche community. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons you are so well known in that world is that you have created some big projects that a lot of people do every year. Um, thinking of one little word, day in the life, week in the life. And what I think is the biggest one, December daily. Yes. For various reasons to do with timing, which will seem strange as we're talking and this episode will appear in September. That's relevant right now. We'll get to that. But let's begin by you telling me what is December Daily and how did you come up with it? So December Daily is a memory keeping project that I've been doing since I think 2006 is the first time mm. that I started doing it. And Essentially what it is or what I how I like to approach it is one story per day from December 1st until December 25th. And the project is to make a scrapbook album, again, focusing on one story per day. But really for me, what this project has become is an opportunity to look for and create and document joy during the holiday season. Most of what I do is everyday life kinds of stories. So in December, I'm looking for what can I celebrate about right now? What can I document about what's real in our life right now in a project that has a specific beginning and an end? So this is a project that, as I said, a lot of people do, many working with products that you make and sell, but many also doing it with their own stuff or That's right. with no stuff or whatever. But um one of the things that you do do is make or design. I know you don't literally make it yourself, but design products every year that people can use yep. to help with these stories. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I first started scrapbooking in 2002 
and that was around the time that my son was born. So he's 18 now, which is crazy. Wow. And when I first started doing it, I was a hobbyist, right? I just was enjoying the process of um, telling all of these different kinds of stories and scrapbooking. And I'd been looking for a baby book. And everything that I saw was not really the style that I wanted. It wasn't modern. It was too cutesy, I think, in a lot mm. of ways. And so I found an online community um, that doesn't exist anymore now, but that where people were really using words and photos and scrapbooking products to tell their stories. And I was really interested in that. And so over time, I've done a variety of different things within this niche industry <laughs> To where today I design products that are manufactured by another company that I partner with. Um, so we usually design products for that, for December Daily, for that release. We just start designing them a year in advance. So when I'm actually doing the project and documenting our stories in December, I'm also sitting at my computer in Illustrator designing cards and other kinds of products that will go into the kits for the following year. Um, so we work on a pretty, you know, far timeline. My goal when I'm creating the products is to create products that invite storytelling. So lots of things that can support stories, that can give people ideas of, of, of different kinds of stories that they might tell, rather than just being like, here's a flower that you can add to this, uh, <laughs> you know, this photo that you're doing. So again, always coming back to the words and how can I encourage people to add more words to their projects. What's your process of, of thinking about what you're going to do for the next time around? Like, so when you sat down in, in December 2019, um, like to put it down to the most basic part, were you thinking like, hmm, this year we had hexagons, next year let's have triangles. Like, yeah, can great. you even think about how you do that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we usually, we generally start with a color palette. That's kind of the mm. first thing. And for December, it's, you know, generally Christmas related, but we have some variation in like, oh, we're doing a darker green or a lighter green mm. or a darker <laughs> red. And I have um, my main employee, Katie, that works with me. She's actually the one that usually establishes the color palettes, something mm. that I find that she's good at and that I don't care as much about and don't want to <laughs> think as much about. So I have her, she does that. So she gives that to me. And then I usually... Um, look at what we did the year before and think about, you know, what things worked when I was using them or when I saw mm -hmm. other people using them and what things didn't work. We also do a lot of community conversations, especially within some Facebook groups that we have where we ask for feedback and we ask people, you know, do you want to see more of this? Do you want to see less of that? So I take that into consideration along with me thinking about, what are the kinds of stories that I think I'm probably going to tell? And with mm. December Daily specifically, you know, a lot of the traditions that we have or the, you know, the ways that December kind of flows are repeatable kinds of things, right? Mm. Like I know that every year I'm probably going to tell a story about what I'm loving right now. So I usually mm. include some sort of a card or embellishment that's designed specifically to encourage people to tell that story. You know, like what are the 10 things that you're loving right now? Or there's usually something, you know, that's very basic, like 
you know, tree decorating. So some of those things are already established along with me sitting here at my desk trying to think up, you know, is there a different way that we can tell <laughs> these same stories <laughs> this year? So that's kind of from the product end. But when I'm actually like working on the project myself and, and telling the stories for our family, I really do let what's happening in our lives lead the storytelling. Um, you know, so things look different from year to year over the span of the time when I've been doing this project or doing all of my projects, like my family structure has changed, mm-hmm. you know, so, so things like that get reflected in the kinds of stories that I tell uh, in December too. Kids get older, right? And do Kid, different things yep, as they kid, get older. Kids get older or f- for us, we have a blended family now. So some years mm. we have, you know, kids before Christmas and other years we have mm. kids after Christmas. And so that plays into, you know, the kinds of stories that we're telling too. And I think this year uh, is going to be really interesting. Mm. There's a lot of people in our in our community who have been talking about, you know, what's Christmas is going to look so different this year. It's not going to be the same. And the way that I'm approaching it is like, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for us to look for opportunities to create joy within our own households, you know, and what does that look like? And then how does that then get, you know, used for how you're going to tell your stories as well? Could you give an example of like, so somebody who's never seen a scrapbook page, doesn't know what a mini album is, yeah. doesn't know what a, a, a pocket protector is. Yeah, yeah. So for December Daily, generally the size that I make this project, it's in, a, in like a three ring binder and we use a six by eight essentially it's kind of the, the general size of the album that we would use. And then inside of that, ring binder album, there are page protectors, which are plastic sleeves that you can use if you want to simply just slip cards. And on those cards, you may have written down a portion of a story. You may have responded to a prompt, a storytelling prompt, or some sort of a, you know, a question that you're answering, or you might just be writing down a random story from your day. So some people work inside those page protectors, and then other people create pages that are outside of the page protectors that would be more interactive. Um, They can have layers of things on there and pockets Mm -hmm. and people are putting their photos in their pockets. So they're using tags, but an example of a story, like, you know, some generic ones would be decorating the tree, right? This is how we decorated Mm -hmm. our tree this year. Um, But I also include things like, um, you know, maybe there's an example of how my kids are interacting with each other right now. So Mm -hmm. I include Mm -hmm. both like positive holiday kinds of stories as well as real life kinds of stories. And I think for me, and, and probably most of the people that do this now, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. And the creative practice is listening and looking for the kinds of stories that are actually meaningful um, mm-hmm. to you in your life right now. You also teach workshops on how to do these, not how to do them. That's maybe not the right term. Maybe I should ask you how you um, see the, the workshops that support these projects. We started doing online classes probably in 2010 as a way to support the projects. uh, I also post a lot or have in the past, not as much now, you know, did a lot more blog posting, Mm. but the classes for me are an opportunity to most of the time, what we're doing in those is showing people the start to finish process. So from the very Mm. beginning, what am I doing? You know, how it's, it's top down 
view of what my hands are doing and what's happening on my table as I'm making these projects. So we do things like we use acrylic stamps. Um, you know, there's some painting sometimes there's, you know, there's some additional creative things that can come into play. But I think for a lot of people that are in our community, they really like to see the entire process. Yeah. So I want to show what my mistakes are. I want to show how I actually think through the process of, you know, why do I put this embellishment here? Or why do I put this photo here? Or why did I do an enlargement of this photo? So those are the mm -hmm. kinds of things that usually I'm talking through um, in the workshops. I also just really... For me, I like teaching and I love the opportunity mm. to present things in a really organized way. So the fact that we can have lesson one and lesson two and lesson three, <laughs> you know, and kind of do more of a deep dive, way more than I would ever do in like a single blog post. Yeah. I love the opportunity, like I get personal satisfaction out of uh, creating uh, those workshops too. I'm really realizing as we're talking how many of your projects, as I said, there are a number of them. Um, that are really very popular and people do every year that it's about like a beginning, a middle and an end. Like it's a closed ended thing. So that like, it's a day that you're documenting. It's a week, it's 25 days. Yeah. There's something, you know, finite to it. Well, I think it makes it accessible too. So when, yeah. when I first started scrapbooking back, you know, in those early two thousands, the people that were really engaged in the hobby were creating layouts, which when I say a layout, like traditionally, that mm. means a 12 by 12 piece of cardstock where they are putting things on top of it, you know, in some sort of an organized or visually pleasing way <laughs> or attempted organized mm -hmm. fashion or not. They just want to play. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> So people were doing that and it was just ongoing, right? It would be like, oh, I'm just documenting my life as I go along. And there are many people that still do it that way as well. But the idea mm -hmm. of having specific projects that have beginnings and endings, I think, gives mm -hmm. people an entry point because they can say, okay, mm -hmm. I want to try. I, I'm interested in documenting some of my stories. I would like to try this. You know, here's a project that you can jump in on that has a start Point and an endpoint versus mm -hmm. something that's ongoing where um, it's harder to build confidence. I think it's harder to build creative yeah. confidence in an ongoing project versus having something where you actually start it and finish it. And I also think for my own organized brain, it helps me to have things that have a beginning and an end too. Um, and you know, yeah. most people aren't scrapbooking all the time, right? Like that's just yeah. not, it's not as realistic. So we offer a variety of different ways for people to be able to participate. You also kind of sell products every month. Um, that's a weird way of putting it, but it's a kind of a, again, it's about story, right? It's about encouraging people to tell different kinds of stories every month. Do you, can you talk about that? Yeah, we have a couple different subscriptions, which is kind of the is our core our core product model is a monthly subscription. And that includes similar products that people would find um, that are included in in the December daily kit. Mm. The main one is called a story kit. And each month it has a different theme. Like this month's theme is transitions. Next month's theme is mornings. So being a word person, right, I'm very mm -hmm. interested in letting the words dictate the kinds of stories that we're going to tell. So for this month um, with transitions, we have a kit that goes along with that. So that, again, has products that are supporting and encouraging specific kinds of stories about transitions um, and that the 
the subscription has a classroom that goes along with it where I'm giving story ideas as well as showing how I use those products in my own scrapbooking projects. But I love it. I mean, again, like talking about the things that really fuel me, the education piece within that mm-hmm. subscription is always more important to me than the actual products themselves. <laughs> like I really love, okay, this month I'm thinking about transitions. You know, what are 10 yeah. different stories that I could tell about transitions in my own life? Or what are other kinds of stories of transitions that, that people might want to tell? And I really love that kind of approach Um, you know, where it's some sort of directed storytelling, right? It has a theme. Um, The people within that community are coming together and telling stories that are just related to that Mm -hmm. this month. And then next month, we'll move on to mornings. And then it's kind of looking at what do my mornings look like? And what kinds of stories can I tell about that? Mm -hmm. So that that's the passion project for me is getting to dive into these fun words and talk about their meanings and then be able to apply those to the stories within our own lives. We'll be back with more of June Thomas's conversation with Allie Edwards after this. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. One of the things we'd love to do with this show is help solve your creative problems. Whether it's a specific challenge about your work or a big question about inspiration and discipline, send those our way at workingatslate.com. If and when we can, we'll put those questions to our guests, which you'll hear June do later in this episode. Okay, let's rejoin June's conversation with Allie Edwards. One of the things that strikes me about your work is that you seem to be very agile, like you move with the times or maybe slightly ahead of them, like as I learned from listening to another interview that you did in a podcast, you first started earning money from scrapbooking by writing for magazines, um, designing some products, and then you wrote and made the examples for several books. But scrapbooking magazines and books were losing their centrality to the hobby, and online was becoming more important, and you were online. Like It seems to me that you are often early to see the appeal of, of, for example, online classes and product subscriptions. Was there a process by which you kind of identified these developing trends? When I reflect back on it, I feel like a lot of it was right place, right time. (laughs) Um, And sometimes I say luck and then people are like, this is not luck. This is work. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, that's true too. Like thousands, you know, thousands and thousands of hours invested into this. Um, I Mm. think for me, what I have tried to do all along is really stay true to the pieces of the process that I love the most. Um, And so... I spend a lot of my time just doing the work rather mm-hmm. than forecasting, I think, or looking, yeah. you know, or following, you know, looking, looking to see what the next trend is. I'm just, 
you know, what is it that I enjoy? What is it that I'm feeling passionate about? Let's continue to move in that direction until I am not <laughs> passionate about that. <laughs> and then we will pivot um, to something else. And I, I have some of my friends that are also involved in the business side of this industry. We have some running jokes about, um, you know, people either being like a sustainer or um, I'm the sustainer. Like I'm the one that just kind of keeps going, keeps doing what I'm doing, tries to stay true. And there are other people who are really good at innovating. And I don't Uh. consider myself an innovator. I just kind of consider myself to be doing, (laughs) doing what I'm doing. Um, so I feel like right place, right time. Um, definitely in terms of, you know, I had a blog starting in 2004, uh, Mm. early adopter, I would say of, of Instagram for sure. And Facebook, you know, I mean, like I remember when there wasn't Facebook, you know, as people of our age do. Um, so I would definitely say like, as things were, transitioning and definitely being, you know, paying attention to the decline in magazines. Like that was definitely something Mm -hmm. that was very real, but I don't remember feeling like a super conscious shift of, okay, now we're going to move in this direction because magazines are having a hard time. It just kind of, (laughs) you know, it's just kind of what was. And so continuing to build community, continuing to kind of try to stay true to what were the things that I cared about the most and continue to hone in on those and kind of dive deeper going deeper into those pieces rather than going wider yeah. has always been kind of my method, I would say. Heather, one of our listeners, asked, I'd love you to talk to a guest sometime about making the shift from a career that pays the bills to being a full-time creative. How did they know when the time was right to make the leap away from security and how did they make it happen logistically? Now, I don't know if you actually you know, did have a sort of nine to five job that, you you know, we consider secure. I don't know what secure jobs are these days, but we'll we'll leave that aside. (laughs) But um, can you remember that point in your creative life? Yeah, I think for me, you know, my origin or, you know, when, when I started working on this, my husband at the time was the provider in our family. Like that Mm. was kind of our, our setup. And I didn't envision that it was going to become what it did. But I also, I feel like, made conscious choices along the way to continue growing um, and continue Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities to do that or just saying yes to things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said yes to a lot of things uh, in the beginning. Uh, Any opportunity to work with a manufacturer, any opportunity to contribute to magazines or um, in within our industry that design teams um, that work from product manufacturers. I said yes to a lot of things um, that enabled me to grow. Also really big for me specifically was community growth, right? And growing a community of people that were interested in what I was doing um, and that I was interested in what they were doing also, right? And like, like we're going to go along together and we're going to be a part of this. And um, so for me, there wasn't a specific time where I left a stable job and, and took a mm-hmm. leap, uh, but there were definitely conscious choices along the way. And in our family, you know, there was a certain point where the amount of money that I was making enabled um, my husband at the time to stop his job mm-hmm. and pursue some of his own passions. And, and that was mm-hmm. pretty exciting um, at that time as well. Now I'm to the point where I say no more than I say yes. But I, you know, I, I think for anybody that 
that wants to pursue a creative passion, there are so many more opportunities for that today than there were even back when I first started, right? The gig mm-hmm. economy. I just feel like there's so many uh. ways that people can start their own creative business that can build mm-hmm. community. It's definitely competitive and there's definitely, it's, it's a lot noisier mm-hmm. than it was in the beginning, but there's still opportunity for people that have something to say for people that are want to make something that want to sell something like there's an appetite out there from the public for that, as well as an opportunity to do that. I think my main set of advice that I would always give somebody or my main piece is, is to really like hone in on what is your voice? You know, what is your creative voice? What do you have to say? Um, And then what can set you apart? Right. Which I believe is each of our own individual creative voices. Like that's going to set you apart. Mm -hmm. So really being able to dive in and embrace that for yourself. As you were speaking, then I'm realizing, you know, as I mentioned before, I do see you as someone who obviously is, you know, has incredible graphic skills, but you know, principally as a writer, but what's different about the kind of writing and creative work that you do um, from, you know, let's just say a novelist is that community that I don't know that you couldn't do it without the community because obviously there are thousands, I don't know, millions of scrapbookers around the country, Mm -hmm. around the world who do their stuff. But to be a kind of a public person, whether it's someone like you or somebody on one of your design teams or something like that, the community is really part of the creative process. Definitely. And I think what's encouraged me is reading other people's stories too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, within our community and people being vulnerable and people sharing more of their real life and how we come to that understanding of that everybody is really just trying to do the best they can for the most part. Yeah. You know, it's encouraged me to tell stories that are more challenging and to share some of those pieces of my life because that's what's real. And yeah. that's really been a piece of, of my own scrapbooking kind of all along and encouraging other people um, to do that as well. So there's definitely a back and forth within the community of, uh, you know, it's okay to share. Like, le- and, and it's weird because mm-hmm. it's online again, right? Like most yeah, of yeah, this, yeah. most of what I do is sitting here at my computer in my office. <laughs> you know, when I go out with my friends here locally, like none of them scrapbook. They don't, they're always just, <laughs> w- you know, wondering what I'm doing. And I try to explain. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Um, right. But it's, you know, at the same time, I can jump on my computer and talk to people all over the world who have mm-hmm. the same passion um, mm-hmm. for memory keeping as I do. And that sort of connection is really, I think, life giving uh, a lot of the time, too. Yeah, no. And I, I think um, so much of, of like the the dismissal of scrapbooking is kind of misogynistic. So it's not I, I'm not OK with it. But I also would just love to for people to realize we can you don't have to call it that you can not call it anything it's words and pictures or words yep. and images yep and and like just kind of play in and that's that's just fun I agree and I think that that's been super interesting for me you know in terms of the business side of it right like mm. there was a certain point for me where I knew that I need if I was going to keep going with it in the business I was going to keep going and I needed to you know, to make money, we were needed to produce products. And so even Mm. now we produce 
more products than I could ever use, right? It's that's <laughs> that is not. So I'm always I'm constantly reminding people in our community that it's not just about the products, right? The products yeah. are there to support the stories. It's the stories that are important. It's the stories that matter. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it doesn't matter if you use any of the products. It's way more mm-hmm. about taking the time to reflect. Um, to write down the things that are happening to you because we just le- we learn so much about ourselves through the process of doing that. You know, what strikes me, if you've been doing December Daily since uh, 2006, if you've been scrapbooking uh, for 18 years, do you look back on your old albums? Do you, you know, what is part of the process also a kind of a second reflection or a multiple time reflection when yeah, you look back I, on what you've made? I actually think for me, it's a multiple time reflection. And I'm, I've mm. never said it in those words, but that is exactly <laughs> what it is. And for me, the first benefit to me personally is I definitely make sense of my life through the process of writing things down. So when I am scrapbooking and when I am doing these projects, this is one of the questions that I get asked often, like, am I doing this for my children? Do I have to have children Mm -hmm. to scrapbook? And I absolutely do not believe that to be true. Um, For me, for in the process of doing this, it's about, it's for myself. Like I am learning Mm -hmm. about myself as I reflect on how do we go about our day? What are the rhythms of our life right now? You know, what are the things that are important and what are the things that are not important? So I definitely find a benefit in learning about myself and in understanding my own personhood through the process of documenting our stories. So there's, that's the, that's a big benefit. And then the secondary benefit I think is, is going back and actually looking at those past projects. You know, for me, I can go back and I can look at, this is what life looked like during my first marriage when my kids mm-hmm. were really small. This, and then, you know, a couple years later, I can say, this is what my life looked like when I didn't have a partner, when it was just mm-hmm. me and my kids life looked different at that point in time, you know, and now I can look at the last couple of years and I can say, here is, you know, my new partner and here are, is this new blended family. And these are the stories that are related to that. And I learn different things when I go back and I read what I wrote about, you know, for one life and the next life and the next life, you know, all, which is true for everybody, right? We all have yeah. these different things that happen in our lives. And for me, that's, I mean, I, I can't even, it's, it's hard for me to even put into words sometimes the actual meaning and benefit, I think, that comes from this process of slowing down enough to write down right now, but then also going back in and looking at, and they're fun, you know, it's just fun to go back in and see (laughs) photos of our family or photos of myself from 10 years ago and think about what was different then versus um, you know, who I am today. And really for me, all of those past stories are building up to the person that I am today. And it's funny too, because these days, unless we have some special purpose, we really don't like print out photos. We, we take them and we're, we're kind of aware of them in that moment, but they just sit on our phones. Or well, on that's our a memory huge shift too. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, for me, I mean, when I first started scrapbooking when when it was back in 2002 like that was right when digital cameras were just kind of mm-hmm. coming out and people were like mm-hmm. eh, they suck I don't you know like <laughs> they're they're not any the quality is not any good you know to, for, compared to today where still the majority of the photos yeah. I take today are on my phone uh, mm-hmm. which is super high quality um, mm-hmm. so that part's been interesting and one other thing I want to say about that too I think that 
with memory keeping, it's I always want to point out to people that it it doesn't necessarily have to be um, you know a, a tangible thing in, in that you hold in your hands. I think it's really nice, and I think some people definitely benefit from that. Um, but I also use Instagram mm-hmm. as a memory keeping tool. Um, I post photos, you know, family stories, stories about my day, those sorts of things on there. And then when I go back to actually work on my scrapbooks, I copy and paste the text that I put into my Instagram post uh, and pair it with the photo that then goes into this, you know, tangible Mm. scrapbook. So lots of people, you know, I'm always telling people, my friends and whatever, I'm like, you can have a private Instagram account if you don't want to share it with anybody where you're, you know, adding words to the photos that you're taking. Um, You know, the adding the words part is just huge. It's, it's, it's a whole different experience when you have words paired with a photo rather than just the photo itself. I am so glad you mentioned that because I think that will really open it up to a whole lot of people. Like everybody loves Instagram, think ah, scrapbooking, what? Yeah, but well, and they're yeah, already ins- doing it. You know, that, I yeah, think that that's yeah. the thing. And and there are companies out there like Chatbooks is one where you can actually just go in and you link up your Instagram account and you can print out a book that has mm-hmm. you know your you can I think you choose you know months or however much time you want to include um, where it takes your captions along with your photo and it prints it out into a little book. Um, so for a lot of people who you know yeah never want to do they don't want they're not interested in the crafty part of it, which is what yeah, I do. Yeah. You know I'm definitely more in the crafty yeah. end, but there are definitely ways to be recording your story and to be valuing your own story. Um, in simple and easy ways that are accessible to everybody who's already using those platforms. Raise your hand if you are burnt out. If email is something that gives you like a shiver in your spine. You are not alone. I'm Shirley Leung, host of Say More from the Boston Globe. Our new series is Beating Burnout. We'll hear from Cal Newport, Krista Tibbet, and more. We'll talk about breaking bad habits and forming new ones. The cure for burnout is all of us caring for each other. Say more from the Boston Globe. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Slate listeners, I'm Christina Cotarucci, the host of Slow Burn, Gaze Against Briggs. I want to tell you about a special event we're doing at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City on June 13th. To celebrate this new season of Slow Burn and Pride Month, we're hosting an exclusive live taping of the show with special guests, including civil rights activist and Black Lives Matter organizer DeRay McKesson, comedian and singer Esther Fallick, Eric Marcus, the host of Making Gay History, And Sam Fader, director of the Netflix documentary Disclosure, about the depiction of trans people in film and television. We'll dive deeper into this season and talk about the lasting impact of the Briggs Initiative and the continued fight over LGBTQ rights in schools. It'll be the perfect way to celebrate Pride Month this June with LGBTQ stories and voices across generations. Again, that's June 13th at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash slowburn. Hope to see you there. June, I'm still kind of marveling at Allie's having made a career 
out of a personal passion. I love that the two of you discussed this, and I love the way that she spoke of her work as work. But it's still very clear to me that she has a passion for the medium. Yeah, I agree. Um, Scrapbooking really is personal, and the people who do it for a living have to kind of demo their projects and their products, and they do that by using photos and stories of their real families. And I think that groundedness in their real lives means that it's difficult to fake the emotion that's involved. And one of the things I really like about Ali Edwards and her products is that she doesn't sugarcoat life. She also documents challenges. It's not all best day ever, which is actually kind of a, a theme of other scrapbooking products. And I think that's a big reason why people respond to her work. Even though Ali is a businesswoman, she has things to sell. She does. She talks about scrapbooking as a pursuit for all, one that doesn't necessarily require investing in a lot of materials. She distills it down to this one sort of central idea, which is storytelling. Mm. And, you know, that seems to me like that's the crux of most art. So I wonder if we might then consider scrapbooking itself an art, or do you think that's too fussy or too rarefied a term for what it is? No, I I really think it is. I mean, combining images and words and telling stories inspired by significant events and emotions in your life is definitely art. It's not necessarily always good art. I mean, not all the photos are fantastic. Uh, Sometimes the stories that people tell are actually pretty cliche. But helping women, and again, it's usually women who do this to reflect on their everyday lives, it feels really important and also artistic to me. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So this is a philosophical question, (laughs) but what is the impulse of the scrapbooker? Like, what's the point, at least in your estimation, and now, especially now that we know that you are speaking from personal experience? (laughs) I think it is the plain old urge to document. Um, There was a big movement that does actually seem to be in decline a little bit of mostly men, like, counting all the things in their lives, how many steps they've taken, how many reps they did today, how many books they've read this year. You know, the quantified self was how we described that particular urge. And I think it's this is the female, largely artistic, largely kind of aspect of that. You know, as I said earlier, I like to do currentlies which is something that is it's a term that's used in, inside the hobby. But basically, it just means keeping track of like what you enjoyed that week, what TV show, what book, what radio program, what podcast. And it kind of meshes different aspects of scrapbooking to somebody who, like me, who isn't taking pictures of their kids because they don't have kids and isn't going hiking because they live in a city and don't like hiking, but <laughs> they do like watching television or listening to the radio, so that's what they document. Um, and I think it's just plain keeping track of what you're doing in your life. I mean, I do have in the closet in my office a big box where I keep like ticket stubs mm-hmm. or programs or postcards from an exhibition that I'd seen, and it becomes this kind of like messy repository for all of this stuff and I do occasionally poke through it and remember like oh yeah (laughs) in the fall of 2001 I saw Bjork at Radio City Music Hall and it was an extraordinary event and like that's funny I had forgotten about that until I came across this little slip of paper that reminded me of that experience I'm going to send you some videos we need to get you scrapbooking in your (laughs) copious free time Um, because I do think that is a really important aspect of it and Ali and I talked about that that you know, at the time that you're maybe doing your documentation, 
in my case at least, it's something to do with your hands. It's something like that's artistic, but also a little bit templated. Like I like to go in with a plan. Like every week, I'm going to record four pieces of culture that I enjoyed this week. But later. Um, even a year later, just kind of looking back and thinking, wow, God, I was really into that show for five minutes. Or, wow, I went to that concert or I went to see that performance that was really moving. And it's just kind of a nice uh, way of reflecting back on our lives and just kind of remembering pleasant times and pleasant moments. I mean, and again, I suppose rather like art, it doesn't have necessarily any larger sanctified purpose beyond yeah. documenting your life for your own enjoyment or just as a way of clarifying how you think about your life and yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I feel a little wistful hearing <laughs> Ellie talk about what I imagine must be a really rich archive of her own family's life. Wishing that I had cared about making baby books or jotting down the sort of quotidian joyous moments of life with my kids, moments that are destined to be forgotten by virtue of how small and fleeting they are. Roman, it's not too late. And if ever a household were made for memory keeping, it's a couple where one's a professional photographer, the other's a professional writer, and their kids are pro-level cute. You got to get to work. I, I guess so. Well, <laughs> now I realize that maybe I had preconceptions about scrapbooking without ever having examined them, and that those were really maybe wrong. <laughs> so thank you for opening my eyes a little bit. You're welcome. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, please consider signing up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Dear Prudence, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on Working. It's only $35 for the first year, and you can get a free two-week trial now at slate.com slash working plus. Thanks to Ali Edwards and our amazing producer, Cameron Drews. If you enjoy working, please subscribe. We'll be back next week. Until then, get back to work. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.